why does it have to be a token that is traded 24 7 365 and it just i think it's distracting for fans that like might be demoralized it's like it's what's happening with like a lot of nft collections like what happens when the price goes down 90 percent? does that mean that you suck as an artist i think it's really your dopamine system goes on hyperdrive once you start seeing your token pump and you're like Fuck yeah. You're like, I'm worth like more than Jason. And like, my token is, uh, you wake up and your token's up 10x. Dante, you got to get on there so we can battle, man. No, listen, yeah. listen. It, it's For like, sure. wow. Like, of course it feels great if your token's up 10x or up only. Like, great. Yeah. But markets do what the markets do. And like, there are cycles and bubbles pop. And so, what happens if your share price is down 90%? I think this will probably be one of our most controversial episodes we've ever done in the last like two, three years. Um, basically, friend tech has taken over the narrative more than anything I've probably probably more than anything I've seen since NFTs in 2021. And then before that, uh, you know, DeFi in 2020 with DeFi summer. Um, and so just wanted to bring on Ansem. Ansem, uh, Ansem is not one of the founders, but is was kind of the first person I saw posting on Twitter about this back, I think, like three weeks ago. But, you know, one of the first days of August, um, like pre-launch posting about this. And I think right now you're the top, at, at least out of my friends, you're like number five on the so-called leaderboard. So Ansem, welcome to the show. Um, yeah, pumped to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, should be fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's maybe start from the top. Just like what what is friend tech in your mind? And maybe actually even before that, like when did you first hear, when did Frentech and like Racer and stuff get on your radar? Um, well, I saw it on my timeline probably like a month or so ago. Um, didn't really know what it was. I just like saw the tagline. I was like, you'll be able to make a token associated with your um, profile, like Frentech by your friends. Um, I thought it was interesting, um, but I've seen like the social tokens narrative kind of get more popular over the past year or so and it's been kind of building up but there had never been any platform directly other than BitCloud um where you like had a token associated with your online likeness so i'd say probably a month ago and then it just started kind of building um and i was already looking at base and like the applications there because coinbase i think is going to do a really good job with their l2 just because of how much retail exposure they already have through their centralized exchange um and this year in crypto, I've been kind of looking for which consumer applications I think are going to be that next level outside of just the DeFi primitives that are really going to get um, onboard more people other than just the DGENs that are already on chain trading everything. Um, so I, I was kind of looking in both of these areas um, and Frentech just kind of popped off pretty quickly a couple of weeks ago. Nice, man. Did you, like did you meet the founders? Did you meet uh, who, who are the founders? Shrimp and, uh, and Racer and stuff? <laughs> did you meet the, and Pancake? Did you meet these guys or no? Nah, I've met, I mean, I, I've met pancakes in person a few times, um, like at some conferences in Europe, in Lisbon, I think. Um, that's the homie. I know him pretty well. Racer, I just know from online. He's just a shit poster. <laughs> I never met him um, or shrimp. But yeah, pancakes is cool. That's that's the homie. So let's just walk through, like, for anyone that is kind of like waking up or under a rock, like friend tech, it's like BitCloud. People may not even know what that is. So basically, you, you get an invite code. And these invite codes were like kind of coming out and a few people are throwing them out there on Twitter. So you're lucky enough, you get, you get on the platform and the first thing it's like, it's only mobile. Uh, and the first thing that it asks you to is to connect your Twitter account, right. To, to claim your profile, right. To verify your identity. 
Um, and I stopped there. I said, there's like no fucking way that I'm going to connect my Twitter to this thing. It just looks sketch. I'm not going to do it. Like th- there's just a lot of downside. So I stopped there. I got a, ner- I got a code like a couple weeks ago and I haven't gotten on the platform, but you guys are so bold as to have gone through that flow. And so what happens? Like once you open up this Pandora's box, magic kingdom of friend tech, like what do you see? <laughs> <laughs> Magic Kingdom. <laughs> oh, first so no, first because, thing like, because, okay, like I'm just gonna say, like, well, I'll stop. I'll resist. I'll resist <laughs> the urge. Why don't we just be more objective in this first part of the episode? <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah. So the first thing you see is like an option to buy your own share. Um. So essentially, each person that gets an account, like they obviously link it with their Twitter, which verifies their their actual person. Um. And then the first like screen is buy your share so you buy your own share it's free um and then Wait, your so token you buy is, but it's you, free how does that work? yeah the first share is free that's for you to okay, buy so you, buy you, you, get, share. you get a share for a dollar you get a share for like yeah, a dollar you get your own share for it's like free this by the um, way then, is deployed on base so like you need to port over some money in a base to do that yeah you deposit i think they recommended like 0.001 or 0.05 ETH or whatever Somewhere. it was just so you have like for gas fees and stuff um but yeah, so you get to buy your own token, and then once you buy your token, then it's available for trading, and then everybody else on the app um, can trade, buy, and sell your token. Can you buy more than one share then in there? No, not directly. You, so you can only buy one. You can't like load up a bag of your own shares before no, everyone. No, you can only buy one. No, okay, you can only buy one. Before we go any further, talk to us about the bridging experience because we've had two episodes on base. And apparently bridging is super smooth, super easy. So can you just comment, talk a little bit about that experience? Yeah, the app was pretty straightforward. Um, I like, I've bri- I bridged to, to base already from ETH. Um, and when I downloaded the app, they said just gave you an address to deposit um, ETH from like to your base address. Um, but then after that, after like the first few days of onboarding, they also enabled people to just send money from their ETH address on mainnet. Previously, it was base. You had to have base ETH. Um, but they enabled that functionality. It did all the bridging and everything for you. So if you have some ETH in an exchange or in, in your own wallet, like native wallet in Ethereum L1 or some other L2, it has to be L1 and you bridge over. Right. And it takes Sanjay, I would um, <clears throat> I would, like, I've actually been recommending folks download this not even not even because they want to play with friend tech and like you know bet on ansem or you or something like that but just to see the onboarding experience it's the mm-hmm. best ux onboarding experience of anything that i've seen so far it operates as an app so you basically get this you go to friendtech.com you then save it to your home screen so it's basically operating as an app but it allows you to skip the the app store it bridges yep. for you so you connect your metamask and then you actually do the trans, you deposit the ETH and then it does the bridging for you. You deposit one time and make do one signature and then you never have to sign again. So every transaction after that is uh, is like, I don't know, pre-signed or whatever. Um, and you're basically minimizing like good, good UX is like in, is is basically just minimizing the amount of times you have to click around somewhere. And that allows you to do that. Um, when I hear like that, fast, my, the first thing that I hear is my, the first thing in my brain is like security. Are they compromising on like because they're generating a private key for you, right? While you're doing all this in the back end, or 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 what is happening? Because if you're depositing into, you're not connect like I guess you're connecting your MetaMask, but it's not your friend tech account has a private key attached to it, and it, that's not the one that you're sending your ETH from. Correct. You know, right? Okay. Let's, right. I just want to be clear because. 
this is something that I want to come back to later on in the episode of how easy smooth UX historically in crypto at some point has meant compromising security. But we'll save that for later. So, okay, so, so you bridge your ETH over to this thing. You buy one chair and it costs you a dollar. Everyone, just a dollar. So you need to pay a dollar to get initiated in this thing. As soon as you do that, the rest of the world can buy your shares. How, how many shares are available? How, what does this curve look like? Like the pricing curve for your shares? Like how does that work? Um, there's an equation for the, the bonding curve. I don't know it off the top of my head, but as um, more people buy, the price obviously increases. It's kind of like a, a parabolic type type of curve. Um, I think that uh, I'm around like 150 holders, I want to say. And I think my pricing is like 1.8 ETH. Um, but you can buy multiple shares um, instead of just buying one share. But yeah, oh yeah, this is the curve. So, so one share of Amazon, <coughs> Um so, so if you're not, another user and you want to buy one of your shares because, hey, you, I like you, I follow you on Twitter, I think you're great, you have good takes, I'm going to go and support you for whatever reason. Mm. And it's going to cost me 1.8 ETH per share. Is that right? Yeah. So roughly close to 3000 bucks. Mm-hmm. So and Santi, you can one- see it right here. So you can, you can see it right here. So if there's, so if no one owns Ansem, there's, it costs zero bucks. As soon as someone owns one share, it's 0.000625. Then let's say right, someone, yeah. let's say there are like 10 holders and they all hold one share of Ansem. It goes up to, you know, 0.006. Yeah. Eight, so right? basically the first guy that buys is like one, one cent. The 10th guy to buy is like close to, is over like 11 bucks. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's a linear relationship. And then the 20th guy to buy is like, you know, uh, I want to guess like 25 bucks. bucks or something. Third, no, even more. Yeah, f- 45 bucks and so on and so forth. Um, and so what is the motivation to buy your share? And and do you buy one share? Do you buy 10? Like what have you guys been doing? Um, well, what I've been doing, I just think there's like different strategies for it. Um, in my opinion, I think that FinTech can be not just crypto content creators. So if you have founders in other industries or you have like musicians or artists or athletes that may not be as popular, um, maybe you want to buy a share. Um, so hold one of their shares and then as they grow and like as they get more popular, then more people are more invested in, in their platform, whatever they're doing. Um and their share price may go up, um, or you want access to the information that they have. So say somebody's an expert in some field of technology or, or in their industry, and they want to share information through um, this chat, then you buy their shares, you have access to that basically until you decide to sell. Um, and I think we've kind of seen in social media, a lot of these creators are trusted by their followings. Um, mm-hmm. And you can see with like, Elon posting um, or switching over X to doing ad revenue and sharing with creators and kind of pushing the subscriber subscriber yeah, lane. People have like paid newsletters and right. side. So historically, it's been sort of disassociated, right? You have like you grow your social media presence, be it Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and then you monetize in some other manner, right? You have your Substack or you have your own website, and people, mo- but but like. The argument that I've heard or historically has how it's worked is people build a social profile that is free. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as people like want to get more of that, it's almost like a, a, a gateway drug, if you will, to their paid content where they monetize. Um, 
Now, if you, is there a distinction between the number of shares that you have and the level of access that you get, or is everyone on the same? Like, as soon as you have one or a hundred, doesn't matter. You, you get there's no distinction. To, okay, no. Distinction. Well, not currently. There's no distinction. So, Santi, um, the other thing that we did, that that uh, that Anson didn't talk about yet is like you get what you get access to inside of the group is almost like a Telegram chat. So, like, let's say I own Ansem's, like one of Ansem's, I bought Ansem, uh, no matter what price I got it at, no matter how many shares I own, I get access to like his one-to-one chat, basically. Um, and like, and, I think- and uh, How active I think, are well, these chats, by the way? It varies. Summer. So there's some people that are super active and they're posting like nonstop and some people aren't as active. And I think it's kind of seen in people's share price. So the people who are more active and responding to people nonstop and back and forth, their share price is typically higher. Because um, people feel like they have that closer connection and closer access to them. Um, for me, that's one of the big things because I have a, a good amount of followers on Twitter and I literally can't reply to my DMs anymore because I just get so many of them. But if I have a chat like this and I have a smaller amount of them that I can reply to, um, so it's easier mm-hmm. for me to like filter through some information. But yeah, it depends on the person, honestly. Someone might look at this mechanism and say, well, wait, wait a minute. If you're critical of this, well, how is that any different from Twitter, right? Which is allows now to have a subscription, right? Like some mm-hmm. big accounts, like Spectator Index and a few others that I have all like now have like this <clears throat> tweets that are like protected now. And if you want to see them, you have to subscribe. Yeah. So it's kind of now it's, it's not one-to-one perfect analogy, but you know, it's, it's, it's a different yeah, it's, it's similar to that. I, I would say that the main difference is that um, you also benefit in that person growing their popularity. So say you buy, mm-hmm. you subscribe to somebody when they have like 5K. And then they go to 100k followers. Previously, you don't get any access to that, like sure. outside or anything. Um, that's I would say that's the main difference. But yeah, how active? So, um, I guess like when you guys. I mean, I, re- I appreciate it's been just under a month or just a month. Mostly crypto natives. Starting to see some non-crypto native people. Like there was an NFL player that joined recently. Presumably, other celebrities are going to join soon. Yeah, it's been mostly crypto native guys. Uh, I think it was yesterday, Grayson Allen from the Bucks, the NBA player joined. Mm-hmm. And then FaZe Banks um, from FaZe Clan joined. It's like one of the big FaZe Clan guys. Um, and he was like posting about it pretty actively on Instagram. And then in his chat, it's like talking about, yeah, I'm like super excited about this. Talk to the team, talk to the founders. Um, so for me, I, I think it's likely that you'll see other people outside of just crypto uh, start to join, especially since the Onboarding is, is pretty simple. Um, and there's not really a ton of downside for people who already have these platforms in other industries on other on other social media platforms. Um, so I think you'll start to see, and it'll, it'll be interesting. Like I guess how Racer um, is like on the leaderboard compared to people like Faze Banks or Grayson Allen. Because um, for me, it's like Racer should be the most important person. He's the founder of the app, obviously. Um, but it's like going to be interesting to see which uh, I guess fans and which groups of of people. Mm-hmm. Um, do well. I know you're hyper skeptical on this. Um, and like, no, by no, the, no by I'm the asking way, objective like questions. The, like, I'm not, I'm not being skeptical. I'm just asking like questions. I'm <laughs> I guess my, let me just share my let me just share my framework for it for a second. It's actually an idea that I talked about with this guy Chris King back in like 2018. Which is, you, you ever are you ever like with friends and you're like, yo, I was following this Instagram account and it had like 2,000 followers and like now it's blown up. Now it's got like 200,000. Be like, or uh, you know, you find a song on Spotify or probably on SoundCloud when it's got like 
10,000 listens. And then like three years later, it blows up. And then five years later, they're touring. You're like, damn, like I was listening to that artist before anyone knew about them. I feel like a lot of people probably just had this experience with Fred again. Um, is probably like the yep. most recent, but there's, there's no way to bet on that. There's no way to be like, yo, I fought, I Santi and I first talked in 2017. I knew that dude was start smart. He started posting on Twitter. I wish I could like bet on this dude. Um, there's no way to do that. And I think right now it's like full blown speculative mania. Absolutely insane. Probably a lot of people get hurt in some way or another, but, um, but like long term, it's cool to have a platform that allows you to bet both long and short on like, I don't know, pe just people in general. Um, now there's a bunch of like societal downsides of that, that we can talk about. But I think that's like my <laughs> yeah, mental yeah. framework for this. One. No, absolutely. Look, I mean, I think, uh, I think the idea of it is, is powerful. I'm not like being skeptical of that. The thing that, um, I mean, of course we can keep it anecdotal of like your experience, but where I've, um, in practice, I've like steam it. You guys remember that? Like you, you yep. get, yeah. it's like Reddit, it's like Reddit, but you get upvoted and you make money out of it. And I think there's a whole body of like studies out there that show that as soon as you, it's like behavioral economics, right? And it's like, as soon as you, as soon as you introduce a price to things, people are less willing to do certain things. Like for instance, like charity, a lot of people like would walk your dog or would do certain things without even the notion of thinking that they're going to be compensated for it. And as soon as you introduce an element of compensation, it really distorts and changes incentives in a way that like the, the foregone conclusions, like just don't introduce comp like val like tangible value to that because a lot of it is just goodwill. And I think about like my experience in Twitter, like I'm not posting like even when I have 50 followers to when I have like over a hundred thousand followers, I don't do it directly to like to like get paid and like now for instance dc investor now apparently you know in order to like get some revenue sharing from twitter you have to have over 10 million impressions there's like a criteria of which i'm close mm -hmm. to but i'm not there dc investor is and he's like he was tweeting about that experience of like now being paid for some and for his, essentially his tweets and i don't know i'm really curious to to get both of your perspective on the idea of like monetizing this thing that you would otherwise and have been doing historically for free um the way i've been thinking about it is i think it's actually incentivizes people to put out more free content um in my opinion because now that people have but is, that it, is it free though it's right not, so not because you're getting paid so i'm saying outside of your like platform on whatever it is on on friendtech the content that you're putting out on twitter or on whatever other platforms that people are reading for free um i think that since you have that that income stream even if those are people aren't contributing directly to um your like shares on friendtech you also have are going to put out more information to all these other people that are reading it for free um because they know that once you're putting out more content that also is going to incentivize people uh, like as your followers go up and like your your content goes up, you're putting out more good good stuff. Um, that's probably gonna like have that positive feedback loop on friend tech as well. Um, mm -hmm. So that's the way I think about it. It's like even the smaller accounts, like there are a lot of smaller accounts on Twitter with like three, four k followers, and their share price is equal to those with like 100k, 200k. Um, and that's because like they have a lot of good content or they're putting on Twitter, and then it gets boosted 
um, on Frantex. So you get, it's good, kind of high signal there to see like which smaller accounts are going to blow up or could do well later. Um, and also just like finding good analysts early. I think it's interesting in that regard. So when you post, Jason, I want to go to you as well. When you post on Twitter, post on Frantech as well? No. No, it no, doesn't. Right? Got no. It. But people looking at what you're doing on Twitter. So like f- for you, can you post outside of this Telegram group to the public that may not own your shares or is everything that is happening, all the discourse is happening inside these groups, paid wall, essentially? Happens inside the groups. Okay. So there's nothing that is public, like like Twitter. It's basically combination of, uh, it's basically Telegram, but with paid groups. Only paid groups, I guess. In the app, yeah, you mean? Like, yeah, in the app. Yeah. Got it. Do you think that at some point they will open it up so that it's a mix of like Twitter with like Twitter DMs, like Twitter with paid DMs essentially? I think they might incorporate like a public sort of feed. Um, the explore page is kind of hard to filter through now because it's literally just like everything. There's a list of what your friends are doing and then there's a list of everything that's happening on the app. And it's just like an explore basically of people that are, are buying and mm-hmm. selling. I think it's very bare bones at the moment for sure. And they definitely could incorporate some kind of public feed. That would be interesting. Um, but I think the core, and the core functionality of the app probably won't change. Does it recognize when you say friends, is it the, your friends on Twitter that are now registered as well on Frentech, or are these, are your friends only the people that you buy and shares? Of? Um, yeah, your friends are like your, your holders or people that your, you have shares in. Got it. So I would assume it's like basically no activity if you don't buy shares in anyone else. I mean, there's a, I don't know if you can see my screen, Santi, but there's like a, uh, you can see like all your friends on Twitter. So like, here, I'll show you this. There'll be like a, it's loading. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. It recognizes your friends on Twitter, right? So like, see, I don't know if you can see that like leaderboard type thing or like, this is like an activity feed. Like if you ever go on like Venmo and you can see who's like paying Mm -hmm. people and stuff, it looks very similar to that. Or I can be like, oh, like Mika Honkasalo just bought one share of, Matt Feibeck, who's a BlockWorks research analyst, or like, yeah, okay. you know, Marlo just sold one share of John Charb. Um, so it's kind of, yeah. you can see that whole activity feed, you know, poor and, John. And these are, these are people, well, that, that, that was my question, right? Because it's yeah. people that you follow on Twitter automatically, you, you, this activity is populated by that, right? It recognizes your friend, your followers yeah. on Twitter yeah. to then suggest or tell you what other people are doing to incentivize you to go out and like, you know, go long or short <laughs> some of these shows. yeah and some zoom but, zooming up for a sec because i know you, you've probably spent more time thinking about this than like anyone out there outside of the founders and, and paradigm folks who who led the seed round in them what is your kind of i i we'll talk about the bear case in a second um but like what is the bull case for this like what is your like zero to one moment like if all of this works like how are what's your like mental model for how you're thinking about this long term uh the way i've been thinking about it is there are a ton of industries that have these influencers and have these creators um, that have a ton of impacts in whatever their specific industry is and are experts in their field. But people historically have had no way of betting on those people doing well or participating in the upside that they have um, like in those communities. And I think fandom is really, really, really a big thing nowadays. If you look at like music artists uh, or like rappers or athletes, 
um, that's huge. And people will pay a ton of money, uh, whether it's just for like tickets to a concert or like for signing to events. Um, so the way I think about it is like you take somebody like Taylor Swift, who has resold concert tickets for upwards of 10K. Um, if she were to have a like a friend tech group, like you would assume that there's going to be people willing to pay whatever premium to get that direct access to her. And then she can give access to her shareholders via like meetups or private meetups or like signings or anything like that. Um, and I think that can happen across multiple different industries in a way that's never really been done before, while also allowing people to benefit in the upside um, from the mm. athletes or creators continue to blow up. So like, say you have a college athlete um, like number one in the nation in high school, whatever, and they get selected to go to, I don't know, like U of Alabama, and you can buy shares um, like as they are, whatever, getting picked. And then they go to the league, obviously keep doing well, whatever, continue throughout their career. Like that, that ability to bet on an individual like early in their whatever, their career, and then them blowing up has never been possible before. Um, I think it's obviously very difficult to achieve. Like I'm not saying that's the base case, but if they do, if they are able to do that, it will be crossing a chasm, um, not just in crypto, but across like multiple different industries. And I think that's a really cool scenario that could play out. So, so you see it as some combination of like fan groups, like subscription fan groups, like let's call it like a Patreon or OnlyFans combined with mm -hmm. um, like a longer term, like FanDuel, DraftKings, like, like betting on someone's like not on the game that they're playing, but like on their career almost. Right. Like I know there's, there's something called, I'm not a huge fantasy football guy, but like the dynasty, I think it's called where you can draft people. Yeah. But over like multiple years, it's not just the one fantasy right. football season. So that already exists. Uh, but yeah, similar to that, but for everything, for like all industries. Yeah, it's interesting. So I'm in disclosures. I bought a like a token to disclosure or whatever. So I'm in dis and I like disclosures music. So I'm in his thing and he's on the app and I'll, I'll yeah. just read something. I think it's fine to read from his like. So he's got 38 holders and this is what he sent to them. He says this whole this is the strategy the entire music industry is going to adopt soon, at least for independent artists like me. Subscription-based models for fan clubs basically is where all this goes. That's, yeah, I that's and the, an guy, interesting take. the guy, um, I think it's Blau. He, Blau, he yeah. yeah, Blau. He's on there, and he was like saying he's gonna drop like links to to pre-release the stuff before it comes out for people. Um, so I think there's there's definitely interesting things you can do with music. But, yeah. Maybe flip it. What's your like bear case on this? The, well, mine, I get mine. The bear case is like anything that's tradable is going to have, if it goes up too fast, it's going to come down. So there's always going to be people that are taking profit if they're up 10x, 20x, whatever, um, on their share price, especially if they have more than one. So in, I've looked at my like holders and there's a good chunk of them that only have one share. And I think those are the people who are less likely to sell because they obviously are not really trying to trade it. Um, but some people that have like multiple shares, I think as your share price goes up, there's always going to be people taking profit. And when people like there's people taking profit because of how the curve is set up, there's always going to be somebody who bought high and then price goes down. Um, so in the case where you have somebody famous um, and say they do something publicly that's not great and then their share price goes down, people can lose money on that. Um, so anything where speculation is involved, I think you have to be wary of that and that could hurt um, the platform in that way. But I, I think that's just like, default by anything that people buy and sell yeah i think it's the the best thing about frontech is also going to be the worst thing which is um 
the speculative nature of things in crypto is amazing for customer acquisition costs. Like there, there's no better, there's no marketing plan Frentech ever could have run that would have been able to onboard. There's now a hundred thousand people on Frentech in like two week time. And there's yeah. no marketing plan that would have, that would have accomplished that. But that's also the like toughest thing to manage for anyone who's probably launched a token. They've seen this, right? That's the toughest thing to manage for long-term growth. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Santi, how are you feeling about friend tech right now? Well, um, I'm not there because I'm not going to link my Twitter. Like, uh, well, I'm not going to say what's the, what's, what's the concern about linking the Twitter? Just curious. Uh, historically, I think it opens up a vector where it could get compromised, right? A lot of the, when, whenever you connect something, like there have been issues with other apps that you connect to. So I'm very sensitive to that, um, but I'm noodling on it. Um, hmm. I may go on there. I don't know. Santi, zooming out from from Frentech, what is your thought around just social tokens in general? Because it does feel like this kind of social token thesis is coming back a little bit. And do you remember our episode with um okay. Icebergy? Icebergy, yeah, Icebergy, and then Alex, like this guy Alex had a social token way way back. Look, income sharing agreements. That that's like the the. The, the very more basic construct is income sharing agreements, right? People to, to go to school, they have ISAs and all this stuff, like Lambda school and all this, whereby you commit to, you know, people can buy basically some sort of share in your future earnings potential. And then it's kind of a little bit like that, but in a more real-time speculative way that makes me uneasy, like, what happens if, I don't know, Ensign, like, can, can you buy more shares of your own token? Like, can you go out and buy, like, yeah, so, like, are you earning trading fees based on, like, how, so these are the things that I just, I don't know, like, I'm not, like, I've been in crypto long enough to just have seen various iterations of this type of model that have not worked, BitCloud, um, Steemit, right? Um, that um, it's like algorithmic stable coins. It's like fascinating to think about, but have a whole set of issues where they haven't worked before, but we keep trying. Uh, I don't disagree with like any of the things that you've said, by the way, Anseen, which is like the idea of like, there ought to be a better way for creators to connect with their fans and be remunerated and maybe the fans, early fans and adopters also participate in that upside. Um, like it would be cool. Oh, by the way, no one's really like asking for it. Right. Jason, to your point, like, would it be nice to like get credit for being an early dis like discovering disclosure early? Great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, issue an NFT of that that you went to their concert in like some sort of random bar in Brooklyn. Like why does it have to be a token that is traded 24 seven, 365? And it just, I think it's distracting. Like for, for fans that like might be demoralized. It's like, it's what happening with like a lot of NFT collections. Like what happens when the price goes down 90%? <laughs> 
<laughs> like, does that mean that you suck as an artist? And what does that do to the churn of the fan base? Like, I don't know. It's just like, uh, I'm not very bullish on this sector of crypto. Like, I, I think social is interesting, but like social plus like this speculative rage is just makes me uneasy. Um, so look, it's going to keep happening. These experiments are going to go on, but I'm not, um, this is an area where I'm not bull really bullish on, to be honest. And I'm happy to well, elaborate on any of that, but I'm just not, uh, I think it's, there's a lot of enthusiasm. I think it's really your dopamine system goes on hyperdrive. Once you start seeing your token pump and you're like, fuck yeah. You're like, I'm worth <laughs> like more than Jason. And like, my token is uh, you wake up and your tokens up 10. You got to get on there so we can battle, man. No, listen, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> For like, sure. wow. Like, of course it feels great. If your tokens up 10 X or up only like, great. Yeah. But markets do what the markets do and like there are cycles and bubbles pop and so what happens if your share price is down 90 percent? like santi let me let me throw this out to you who's um you love avici right like who doesn't best dj of all time <laughs> right. it's not even a question like not even a question exactly not even a question, exactly. not even a question. you got seen his early concerts I, I went to one of his earliest concerts and he was playing in new york and i was there yeah so if so if avici dropped like let's say 10,000 NFTs, those are like back in, I don't know, 2008 or something like that. Like those are a completely speculative nature. And those would probably operate in the same way that something like, like a French, a French tech share would operate, which is as Avicii's career grows, those grow as well. And they're 24, seven, 365 and people can buy them and sell them and flip them. And I think anything that has a dollar value associated with ends up becoming a speculative market. Like I mean, you also, I know you buy some watches, like that is a, talk about a speculative market. Like the watch market is insane, but that doesn't mean like there shouldn't be a watch market. Do you know what oh, I'm no, saying? Look, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not anti-market or anti-financialization. These things will happen. We can't stop them. The world just wants to finance. Like if you can financialize something, it will happen. Like you have these collector, like collector markets are huge across wine, any sort of wine, cars, all type of luxury goods, like, you know, mementos, like, you know, like Jordan jerseys and Kobe, like StockX, like these things are massive. People want to collect, like we collect stuff. And so that inherently has a price attached to it. Um, so I don't know if, the, I think the distinction is nuanced though, between getting an NFT, having attended a concert. I think of it more as of like, a something that has a little bit more meat on the bone, not just like a share certificate, if you will. It's like, uh, it's like a collection, right? It's like you can go by, it's like saying, Hey, I was uh, in the Lakers final, uh, where Kobe played, and like you have that ticket or you have uh, the ball or the net or something. Is that valuable? Of course, there's, there's someone out there who's going to pay a ton of money on that. And you can auction it off in Sotheby's or whatever. But um, yeah, like, do you want to have a Kobe, like, shares constantly traded? Like, I don't know. It's just different. Do you see what I'm <laughs> saying? Some, like, I, I think it's not. No, I do. I, I, there is a distinction, I think. I'm sorry, but it's not the same, I think. 
Ansem, what's your kind of framework around thinking about these as maybe like NFTs 2.0 or is that a bad, bad mental model? Um, I do like the, the the social tokens as NFTs 2.0. I kind of tweeted it the other day. Um, but I think that honestly, the in-state or like best case scenario for these, I think it's going to be a combination of NST, NFTs with the shares or like shareholder groups. That's where I think this is going to trend towards. Um, I think it just makes a ton of sense to have an NFT collection associated with your like whatever your VIP shareholder group. And then you can also do some really cool things where like as time passes, if they've been one of your shareholders for a really long time, you can reward those people who've been holding whatever your NFT and have it like upgrade with different tiers and stuff like that. I think that's a really cool lane that this could go down. Um, but one of the reasons I think I said NFT 2.0 is because the royalties um, and everything are built into the contract. So like one of the things that people have said, um, one of the reasons for why creators are not were not as excited about NFTs before is because royalties basically got killed. Um, but in this setup, creators get a default, a percentage of all the, the trading fees. So it's kind of like a, a royalties by default um, implementation. That's why I kind of said it's like NFT 2.0. But I do think there should be a combination that could be really cool. Um, since Frentech is very bare bones, I think you can build a lot of cool protocols and things on top of it. And we've kind of already started to see devs build out different like UIs and UX um, and like things on top, like to trade um, the shares, fractionalized shares. Um, I think that'll continue to happen, but it can be like the bare, the base layer for other things on top. Um, and with the, the speculation, the speculation thing, I just think like it's, it is weird that it's people. You've kind of seen on the timeline, yeah, some people are happy that their shares are up, but there are also people that are unhappy that their shares are not up. Like some, some people who have a ton of followers are like, well, why isn't my share as high as this person? Um, you kind of have seen some people like, yeah, I don't want I don't want to be on the app just because I don't want to deal with that um, like personal um, situation. Hey everyone, we'll get back to Empire in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to let you know that we have Permissionless coming up. Permissionless is big conference that Blockworks and Bankless put on together. It is the biggest, the best DeFi conference in crypto. This year, it is in Austin, Texas, September 11th through 13th. If you've been in crypto for a while, you know that bear market conferences are the best kind of conferences. We have a phenomenal lineup of speakers. A lot of the guests that you hear on Empire are both going to be speaking there. You will have the opportunity to meet them there. And a lot of the topics that we cover on Empire, ZK Tech, Rollups, Account Abstraction, MEV, App Chain Thesis, a lot of that kind of stuff that will all be discussed at Permissionless this year. So because you are a listener of Empire, you get a special discount. That's right, Santi and I negotiated with our marketing team. You get 30% off if you go to blockworks.com forward slash permissionless. Empire 30 is going to get you 30% off your ticket Today, when I'm recording this, that's about $300 off your ticket. So type in Empire 30 when buying your permissionless ticket, you get about 300 bucks off. Click the link at the bottom of this episode. It's in the show notes. Do it quickly because prices go up all the time. And if you are going to permissionless, hit me up. Let me know. Shoot me a DM on Twitter. I would love to meet up with you there. So a couple couple things that I'd like to get your thoughts on on, on that point, which is one, the price manipulation of these shares, um, mm. especially tied to my second question, which is bots, right? There's a lot of bots out there on Twitter. They will presumably come on this platform 
and try to snipe and and do and you know uh, front run and all do all these kind of things. How do you mitigate that or not? Is it some there is there some sort of baked in mechanism to prevent these sort of things or, um, yeah, like what happens if I don't know said person like you know that there's I wonder if like there's like a way to short these shares, but like if you know that like you know say you're a soccer player and you're not going to renew your contract or something bad's going to happen that like you're going to yeah. go from like Manchester United to like Miami or something. And like, that's positive or negative. Like these people might like sell or buy or sell their shares, not maybe through their direct account, but like through associates. And so how do you kind of think about all of that? Yeah, it's, it definitely gets very complex with the, the price manipulation when it's an individual token. Cause obviously I know things about me that, nobody else is going to know. Um, um, so I think like if you implement something, I don't know, maybe on how individuals trade their shares or individuals post you trade, trade your shares, that's could be possible. I really am not sure. Um, as far as the like anti-botting mechanisms, they're definitely not in place now, but I think something cool that could be done um, right now, basically bots are looking for high follower accounts. As soon as they make their accounts on Frentech, they're buying their shares early. Right and then selling as, as whatever, as the manual mm -hmm. people come in. Um, I think one way to counteract that could be to have the early buyers have like the shares locked for a certain amount of time. So say you buy the first mm -hmm. uh, 50 and it's like, while well, price is under a hundred, you can't sell until like a month later or something. And in that scenario, then bots are probably less likely to game it because they're not going to want to hold for that long instead of just getting the free money on flipping um, the bonding curve. Yeah. But yeah. the price manipulation thing is is definitely going to be a yeah. Um, be, I, I was as you were saying that I was thinking of that like you could if you're the owner you'd have to stake your amount, mm -hmm. and if you want to sell it's like a ten b five one plan or whatever where you have to say you're going to click a button. You, it's like an unbonding period, right? And you're, right. You're, right. You you initiate the sell or the intent to sell. Everyone sees that, and then you could sell out of it after six days or a certain amount of time period. Um, no, I mean, it's not perfect. Maybe there are better mechanisms, but something like that probably feels a little bit fair. Mm -hmm. You know, Santi, I think all early markets are manipulated. By the way, like uh, all, yeah, yeah. Well, the, you know, <laughs> no, like absolutely. Like the the like nice you, you traded well, you traded DeFi, and that you were one of the first like big DeFi folks trading in DeFi. Like that, that was a rigged market until the market gets more liquid. Not, not maybe say, not rigged, but I wouldn't say rigged. Not, I would say, I mean, to liquid, it's more volatile. Yes. Um, no, we're not like trading actively on it. Like DeFi farming, yeah. If you're the first block or so, yeah, of course. Like the the yield is much much higher. I mean, taking a whole lot more risk. But but yeah, like, I mean, um, I think there is a distinction between a rigged market and an early illiquid market in price discovery. Two different things. That's fair. Let me just tell you maybe my thought on this, Santi, is like we're moving to a world where anyone can become a creator and any, any, anyone can become a creator and anyone can not just become a creator, but like a true star online. And today we have a world where you can long or short the earnings and valuation and product releases and success of companies. Um, it makes sense that you would be able to do that with people as well. Is this the right way to do this? Maybe Probably not. I don't know. Most startups end up dying. This one mathematically probably and probabilistically probably dies too. But like, it makes sense that like, as more and more people become creators, you should have a way to bet on these creators, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, okay, like uh, I I equally thought about this idea where you could bet on the specific individuals within a company. So say that you like, uh, think about a company like uh, Google, so many different divisions, but hey, you, could you bet on Google Brain and not bet on other parts of Google like AdWords or whatever? And you could specifically maybe combine LinkedIn and then and then bet on specific departments within a company. Hey, that'll be kind of interesting, right? So the question, yeah, like I get your point. How is that any different? If you're able to do that, if you're betting on, if a company is a collection of individuals that are creating some sort of output, then this is no different than betting on a company. It's just, it, it feels kind of very weird that it's at the individual level because yeah. people like, the, the, it's, it's no different. It's like, but now you're, it's one step. It's not one step. It's like the, you're going to the root, right? So it's like if a company has one employee, then, well, <laughs> you're basically betting on one person, right? Or if you're betting on a company because of a CEO, then how's that any different than friend tech? So like I'm for, taking the other side of yeah. my argument because I, I'm aware of that. Um, but there's a weird, like, the brain just works in different mechanisms. So for companies, is, it's not different. Like I like no, you, no. like you investing in Blockworks was a bet on Mike and me, right? Like you didn't have to buy my share. You bought like that's yeah. a bet on, on us, right? But I think you're seeing a lot of like abnormal companies get created these days. I think like the definition sure. of a company was like, you know, maybe yeah. you go out and raise some money, but like now it might be like you have a music label and then you're like Mr. Beast and you launch some like Feastables, chocolates. And like, it just, it doesn't yeah. look normal, I would say, so. Uh, all, I'm conceding, is all I'm saying. I'm conceding to your point. Yes, the the future will look very weird as we think about it today. It always does. I'm just not, I'm struggling <laughs> to get. I'm, I'm all I'm saying is I'm struggling to see it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, some, and, and, and and maybe right. younger people like maybe I'm just an old dog and like. That's <laughs> <laughs> Anson, what do you think of the very dystopian view that uh, social tokens create an incentive to? cause harm to folks so like let's say you like if this was like a real market you could go long but you could also go short and let's say i'm trading at like an e one eth right now if you put on a big short on like yano tokens you would like a be in, like you extend that out further like far far enough and you're incentivized to kill me but you're also incentivized to like put out a bad rumor about me to like help our competitor like to do something like that what, what do you think about that kind of dystopian world I mean, I think it's real, but I think it also already exists. Like, I think people have, um, I don't think there's official social tokens, but I do think there's projects in crypto and also companies that trade publicly that have really big public figureheads um, and other people in, in those industries are aware that if bad things happen to that person, then bad things will happen to this company and then public perception will change. And it's the same thing in crypto. Um, I think that a lot of, there's some discourse that is skewed in crypto and it's intentionally skewed towards like people are talking about product there that are competitors to them. And they know that if they talk about those projects then like they may not be seen as in a, in a, as good of a light and that will like make them look better. I think that's a thing that already exists. Um, obviously it's a lot more direct with individual um, tokens, but yeah, I think it's, I mean, I, would I think say that's like, already uh, a thing. Prediction, prediction markets are probably uh, more dangerous than, than this. Right. Yeah, and those, if you, yeah, those exist. If, now, if you right? put a prediction market on, uh, you know, particular individual becoming president or whatnot, then uh, you could put a bounty on their head yeah. if you're shorting it. Ver where versus these tokens, like 
uh, I'm, it's going to get weird, but like you're saying that if a person dies and their token is worth less, maybe it, it's actually, it could be the inverse. Or it could yeah. be way, like it could be much, much more. Yeah. Because then it could, you get memorialized and like you become this sort of legend and whatnot. Like think about all, a lot of artists that have like Amy Winehouse or, you know, a bunch of celebrities that have unfortunately passed away and that like they just, they're collect like Kobe sneakers or whatever. Like it just blew up because, you know, he's no longer with us, unfortunately. So I'm just saying, um, I think like that's the, by the way, this is what, like, I think in Europe, they don't allow you to short shares, which is like, it creates a sort of perverse incentive to like go out and do harm. Some people argue that I I think like, you know, there's always like people that want to do harm, but like, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a stretch, I think. I'm less concerned about that, to be honest. Like, that they, they would mm. promote, like, nefarious or, well, not nefarious, but promote, like, a, a, you know, evil. Uh, no, I don't, I'm less concerned about that. Hmm. What do you guys uh, think? So, Santi, you're, you're an investor in Blur. And uh, uh-huh. Ansem, I'm curious. So, one thing we haven't talked about is this airdrop or, like, a potential airdrop or something and, like, the points and that whole system. Can you just explain how that works and... Maybe I'm curious how you think about this in in comparison to something like Blur. Yeah, um, they said they're distributing 100 million points over the next six months. That's the plan. Um, And they said that it will be rewarded in different ways, depending on the the usage that they see in the app, because they don't want it to be game. They don't want it to be cybled. So they said they're like they reserve the right to change the metrics that they're looking at for distributing points to people. Um, but yeah, I talked about it a little bit the other day. Blur, I think, launched when it went when the token launched, it was around three and a half billion fully diluted um valuation. Um, so some people have been trying to like project out, okay, what if Frentech launches at one billion? How much are they gonna airdrop? Uh, how much of that's gonna be distributed, and what price will the token be? Um, depending on whatever FDV that they launch at. Um, that's a ways out, but I think it's interesting in that it's probably going to incentivize activity within the application, especially because people already saw how much the blur airdrop paid out to people. Um, so they kind of have like a, something to compare it to, especially since that was also a paradigm. Um, but yeah, I got, I got a lot of points <laughs> the first week. Um, and a lot of people were like, yo dude, now I need to get on the app. Like you can literally see where people released their points that Friday and activity skyrocketed as soon as everybody was posting how many points mm. that they got. So um, it's definitely a good incentive um, to get people, but we'll see how they avoid it being gamed. Yeah. I think there's actually a decent comparison with Blur. Not only did Paradigm lead, I think Paradigm led Blur too, um, so, but mm-hmm. uh, but they, they both had, an, yeah, but they both had anonymous founders. And I think the Blur founders are a little less anonymous now, but the, yeah, the friend tech founders. Well, the, are- the Blur have, was definitely not anonymous. You knew who it was. Oh, you, okay. The, just the rest of the world didn't for a, a while. Okay. But, and but so the, why do you think the friend tech founders are anonymous? What is the, like, does that concern you at all? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I would say they're kind of like pseudo anonymous cause like, yeah, race is anonymous, but there's a lot of people um, in CT that know him, like know him pretty well. So it's not even like he really was a full anon. Um, mm-hmm. And then also there's Pancakes, which everybody knows. And people who have been to conferences, I've seen him, met him, talked to him. Like I can FaceTime him like right now if I wanted to and talk to him. Um, so there's like some people that are on the team that are they're front facing. Um, and I think that helps with the anon concerns. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's a like fully anon. I think there's people who know them. Yeah. 
Um, what do you think about the bit BitClout comparison? Like, how do you think of FriendTech being different? Uh, my interpretation with BitClout, I think the UX was extremely clunky, and FriendTech is not the greatest. But I remember with BitCloud, you would deposit like Bitcoin, I think, to Bitcoin addresses, um, and that's how it was it was traded. And then also with BitCloud, it was like VCs got shares of everything like at very like huge discounts immediately when stuff started trading. Um, whereas with Frentech, when you click buy, your share is literally at zero for everybody. Um, and you have the issues with bots, but it's not it's not the same as somebody else literally having been up 100x on all of your buys immediately. Um, I think that was the big difference. It feels a lot more crypto native from the founder's perspective and then also from the community perspective to me um, rather than BitCloud did. And people, I think there was a lot of people who liked the idea behind BitCloud, but just didn't like the execution. Um, and also, I think it gives opportunity here because there are a ton of people who are like, well, BitCloud didn't work. So this isn't going to work. So you have a ton of people who are on the negative side. Um, and it's kind of like a, a, um, an opportunity there. Yeah. It feels like the main difference in my mind is uh, one was auto opt-in or one, one was like it auto added you basically. Yeah. Like I think yeah. That was BitCloud's basically growth hack is like Santi was auto added to the platform as opposed right. to now if Santi doesn't want to join the platform, he doesn't have to join the platform. Right. And you can also withdraw. You couldn't withdraw off of BitCloud. You had to do like some yeah. OTC deal and now yeah. you can. So those feel like the two big differences to me. Um. Well, I was just thinking as you heard, as, as, so there's been a lot of SIM swaps of these prominent accounts. Um, now, of course, if you haven't connected the account, like if people get a control of your account and you don't have a friend tech profile, they're going to go on, create one and monetize as quickly as possible and then sell all the shares, right? It just, yep. just creates a bigger incentive for these things to happen. Um. So have there been people that have like sold, like gained prominence or price went up a lot? They bought some and then they sold them all very quickly, effectively rugging all their uh, supporters. There was one, I forget who it was. It wasn't, it might it's have like been like an NFT Shaka. guy, right? He sold ben, so, ben, yeah. so, yeah, Ben, Ben.Eth had like 30 something <laughs> shares of his, like by far the largest holder, and he was top five for a while. I just don't know how much of how much of them he sold. Um, but yeah, there's some scenarios where it's like people see that they're by far the biggest holder. And with how the bonding curve is set up, their price, <laughs> obviously their entry is way better than everybody else if they bought them super early. Um, so it's like, why do you have that many shares if your intent is not to dump them pretty hard? And that like, because of how much trading fees the bigger accounts get, there's really no... I don't. I wouldn't say like there's there's less incentive to buy a ton of your shares and be like and dump them on people than there is to have a good chat um, and be active um, and and do it in that way. I think that makes more sense. So that's kind of iffy if you buy a ton of your shares. So if I if I buy like um, go out and buy ten of your shares, and then six months time, I decide to punch out and sell. Does that mean you're not going to talk to me ever again? <laughs> No, man, we'll be cool. We'll Will be you cool punch still. me if you see me in real life? <laughs> as long as you hold one. As long as you hold on to one. Okay. So, so, so this is a... That is kind of funny, though, I will say. Because I'll you... be like scrolling on here, and I'm like, oh, dude, this guy sold my share? What the hell did That's I do what I'm yeah, saying. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, like, why, did, like, like, why did he just tell me? Look, I mean, like, we've all gone through this process, folks, where, like, 
certain people block you particularly ex-girlfriends or whatnot <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. but like i think one of our like, employees just sold me damn that's brutal that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like like how do you think about all these things right where people make uh financial decisions and you may not know the full context of that and people have parameters again if you're up 10x like you want to manage risk you want to manage your portfolio whatever people have different reasons for why they sell um when you're selling a share of a company and you're on the board, like, or you're close to the founder, then I think it's, again, it's that step removed. Uh, it's still a sensitive conversation, but, um, yeah. Like how does this influence your social like life? And part of that, once you have, like, you're seeing the people close to you are selling your shares, buying and selling your shares. Well, hopefully not too much. Um, but I feel like it already kind of happens in some of these chats and just on Twitter. Like, I know for me, I have a ton of ton of followers now. So I have people in my replies that are like angry all the time or like negative all the time. That just happens by default. Um, but also when you're trading on Uniswap, if you've been trading like these micro caps or low caps the past few months, like there are certain times where you're trading something and your homie is dumping on you. <laughs> like it's just, it's just how it goes with some of these PVP markets. Um, I mean, hopefully, I mean, it definitely is, is a lot different if it's your individual token, but that's also why some people have their, their alts on there and they're trading through those instead of their public profiles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like people dump on their followers. Um, and and they've been caught, you know, and called out on, um, you know. But yeah, I think it's different if they're yeah. buying and selling your shares. Yeah. So so uh, yeah. See, like your your mom goes out and buys like ten of your shares, <laughs> and one day she's like really mad at you, and then it's like rage quits, dumps and, like, everything, and then crashes the price. <laughs> You're like, what the hell just happened? Um, oh, these are things like I've thought about, like they're fascinating, like things to think about, like, because it forces you to think, okay, how do we, if a company, how is it different from like an individual share or like income sharing agreements? Like if you're, I've always found them to be problematic in the sense that like, who's the Oracle, like who's reporting however much you make. And, and at some point are you incentivized to make that incremental career leap or take on more risk or start a new venture if you're going to know you're going to have to be paying like 10 percent of everything that you like you're making like just is like very weird and sometimes we play around and i'm all for experimentation especially around like you know in crypto historically it's been like in DeFi, for instance like testing new financial primitives and constructs and mechanisms is fascinating from a game theoretical perspective but and it might and people might be critical as I as I'm they were listening to me say that because like wait wait a minute how's that any different? But I think it is with social, and I don't think we sometimes should venture into these things, hmm. um, because like sometimes like social interactions are difficult sometimes as is <laughs> like when you're introducing another layer of financialization. <laughs> I don't think it gets any better, <laughs> but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, nah, it's definitely true. There's some people who are adamantly like, I'm not making an account on the app because I don't want, I don't want people buying and selling my shares. Um, I think like as Yano says, it's kind of a, a difference between FinTech and BitCloud is you don't have to make an account if you don't want to. Like you're not automatically given one. If you don't want to opt into it, 
Um, it's not something that you have to do. I heard that there were uh, some some shops doing perps. Yeah. <laughs> on the, yep. On individual shares. <laughs> well, you can now, uh, Santi. You can take your shares, and so I'm sure you know way more about this than I do. But I think you can manually take your shares off of Frentech and trade it on something like. I think you can create like a pool on Uniswap and things like that. But Ansem, what is, have you looked into this? I haven't done it for mine, but yeah, I think the guy Fubar, he's like a dev on Twitter. Um, we essentially made some wrapper that allows you to convert your Frentech, um like shares into a ERC20 token. Um, and then like have it be tradable. Um, the issue with that is obviously you have to like, I think you have to seed the LP with whatever certain amount for it to not be gamed really easily. I know somebody that did it and it got like, bought it super quickly and sold into um i haven't done it for mine but yeah somebody is has built that out and i'm sure other people will do similar stuff also yeah and some how does this change how you or actually any, anything else on uh friend tech either Ansem or santi well i was going to ask you guys the fractionalization right as i as i mm. was thinking about the scenario of like so punks for instance have been fractionalized there's yeah. zombies and apes that were fractionalized because, of course, the price tag just got to a point where, like, you and it allowed people to like buy a part of something and and feel great, I guess, about it. Um, is Ansem, how do you think about like your shares are now three thousand bucks? That's that's fairly expensive. That's just higher than the floor of like a lot of NFT collections. Yeah, especially now uh, as this price continues to grow because you know you're prominent. You know people like you. Yada yada. Like your price goes up. Um, do you ever like, are there plans or is there an ability to fractionalize? I guess if you wrap it and then you fraction, like you could fractionalize and people could buy a partial share of that, but they won't have access to your group if you don't own the full share. Um, well, the, the way I've kind of been thinking about it is I think I already have like a free discord, no, like a free telegram. Um, and I post all my information there. So what I've, been planning to do is just continue to put out uh, free content for people and then have some stuff that I share with the smaller group. Um, I'm not really sure about the the fractionalizing piece of it. Um, obviously, if it if it gets ridiculous, I think it, it makes sense to do so. But I would want, I just want to optimize for putting out the most like good quality information for people. Um, this is what I've, I've always done, so I'm pretty consistent with that. But yeah, I'm not really sure what the I'm not sure what the what even to do with it yet? Because it happened so fast. I honestly didn't even expect it to be. I didn't expect it to be that that high on the leaderboard. Um, so I've been asking like the group, like what what do they want to see from it. Um, like some people I've met in person, like come to stuff that I'm at in New York. Um, that's cool. Um, but yeah, I really don't know. Not yet, not I don't know yet. Kind of. And so how's this uh, change how you think about the L2 trade? And like, just curious how you, you know, how you think about like base and Arbitrum and Optimism. Yeah, I still like Optimism. I like Optimism a ton. Um, I think they've done a really good job with their OP stack and having people on board through uh, like their architecture, especially since base doesn't have a token. Um, really the only way to bet on the activity of that L2 continue to increase and do well is either through coin, the stock, or through OP, the token. And I like the L2's trade against Ethereum. Um, I think that as EIP 4844 um, comes around, which is the next several months, and it gets even cheaper to transact on rollups, I think that the most popular rollups, um, their tokens are going to appreciate 
more so than Ethereum does. And if we're in a choppy market where Bitcoin and ETH aren't really going anywhere, trading in a range, I think that gives you a good trade where you can hedge like short Ethereum and hold whatever L2 token um, where you're seeing increased activity. So I think that's an interesting trade. But yeah, I like OP a lot. I think it's a strong play. Um, what about fraud proofs? Fraud proofs as far as... That they don't have them. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, like uh, what the fuck? Like, you know, <laughs> you somehow accept the fact that, you know, they can, it's actually surprising that they haven't like come out with fraud proofs and we're so late into this game. I think it's surprising from like, it's surprising that it's not talked about as much in the crypto discourse. Um, as you guys know, I'm like a huge Solana bull um, and the Solana Guys are like, yo, they don't have fraud proofs. Like L2s are super centralized. Like you can do everything better. Or well, Optimism which... doesn't. Optimism does, yeah. Arbitrum um, does. Yeah, right. Um, but I'm saying like just generally the the thesis around L2s being more centralized and not as fully built out yet, I think that's valid. Um, but I do think that you also have to factor in when you're taking the trade. It's like, okay, what, what trade else am I looking for? And I think that the access that Coinbase has to all of their retail customers um, yeah. is really strong. Like if you're looking purely from like a trade perspective, then yeah. Um, and I have confidence that they will eventually get there um, with all that. Fair, fair. Yeah, you're talking more of a trade, which which I can see. Like, I think it's a good trade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, none of this financial or legal. But but yeah, if if you if you want, I mean, it's hugely bullish and people should go listen to the um, base episodes with Jesse. Because um, I think from an onboarding perspective, it's huge because you have access to, what is it, you know, 100 million plus. 100 million, yeah. 102 million plus, you know, total registered users, 10 million actives of Coinbase. Like if a fraction of that gets onboarded and it's fairly easy to get onboarded um, with this flow, then yeah, it could be positive for sure. Very curious to see if Coinbase ends up talking about uh, about base in their next earnings call or like how much they end up talking about oh. base. I don't know when their next earnings call is, probably two months or something. I read um, recently a J.P. Morgan report, which, by the way, I think they've been doing a fair job of covering it over the last couple of years. They talk about base, and they talk really? about yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I would say like financial analysts don't properly understand, I think, uh, base, but some actually at least understand that it is impactful for an onboarding perspective and like getting people to use these things more so than ever, right? Because they just they're the gateway into into this whole world. Jason, I want to ask you a question because I appreciate you've been asking mo- most of the questions, but like you tweeted earlier that you've seen terrible takes and that um, this is why we're having this episode because you felt that mo- it sounded like you felt that a lot of people just had horrible takes about friend tech and that you wanted to clarify a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I don't know if we've done a good job here. Or if you were subtweeting at me, which I, I haven't been tweeting <laughs> negatively or anything about this, I came in here telling you that I was going to take the opposite side because I, yeah, I'm just concerned I haven't onboarded. But what have you seen out there that made you tweet that, that you felt that was a terrible take or was not properly understood by folks about friend tech? I think it's less that there were terrible tweets and it's more that... um you know, coming out of ECC, if you remember all like the thread ors threading, threading around that, like it's all infrastructure being built and that we need consumer. And like, this is the most popular consumer app we've had in crypto. And I don't know, a couple, couple of years, it feels like probably since, probably since uh, OpenSea 
and NFTs in 2021. Um, and I just think that like what a product looks like in month one is never what it looks like in, in year, in year one or in year two. And that things change a lot. And that like, I think a lot of people that I've seen, uh, who maybe aren't like super crypto native, I think a lot of very, very, very crypto native people just kind of like jumped into friend tech because they know that the, one of the best ways to make money in crypto usually is like playing around with new things and like bridging over to the new L2 and like playing around with this weird decks. And like, that's, I'm just like accustomed to doing that. But I think a lot of people maybe on the, like on the outskirts of crypto are very, very, very pessimistic. And they like to kind of complain a lot that like, we don't have X, Y, and Z, but like now that we have some weird iteration of what, you know, some, a consumer crypto app looks like, uh, it's like, I feel like the pitchforks came out. Whereas like, I do think that, and I get it right because BitClout and SBF and Mashinsky and like, we're coming off some, like a couple of bad years. Right. But like, I just think that it's a, it's a good time to be optimistic and think about like what products could turn into instead of just bringing out the pitchforks right away. Like Sante, I think you've approached it from a very healthy perspective. Like, look, I'm not using it yet. Here's why. Let me get on a podcast and like talk about it and like really figure it out. And like, I, I don't think you're going to use it ever. And that's totally fine. What I don't like is like people who've never played with it. Don't, don't ask any questions and just think it's like BitCloud 2.0 because like, that's not how the industry progresses. You need to build risky things to, to move an industry forward. That's my take. By the way, that's a good take. By the way, you, you want to hear something interesting? <laughs> so NVIDIA oh, is up like 7% today, which is a third of ETH's market cap. <laughs> like, Bro, yeah. Like, like NVIDIA is up 6% and it's a third of Ethereum's market cap. Like, and it's a reminder, like, okay, people might argue that this is a terrible take and yada, yada. But it is like surprising to me sometimes when like, you know, the crypto market is just very, very, very small in my mind. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm, I'm a very much an optimist. Um, and if this is what experimentation and onboarding looks like, then okay. Like, so be it, you know, um, the future always looks weird and it feels weird now to me to be betting mm -hmm. on people. Um, but another part of my brain does not see it as any different than buying a share in a company, particularly if you're only buying that share because you love Steve Jobs or Elon Musk or, or the Google guys or Mark Zuckerberg or whatever. Uh, and I think investing in early stage as I'm, as I'm, as I'm hearing me be critical of something that I'm not using. Well, yeah, it's betting on people. It's just weird that you're seeing it 24 7, 365, and your friends sell your shares. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it is weird. I just, it's that edge that I. Uh, yeah, it is weird. It's, it is it's, weird. Uh, it's weird. But, but I think that's where the uh, markets are going in general. It's like, if you buy, so like buying a stock, buying a share of NVIDIA, for example, you, buying a, a share in the stock market used to represent. Did you just say NVIDIA? I'm sorry, what is NVIDIA? <laughs> And I don't know how you pronounce it. Nvidia. I don't know. <laughs> like, what is what is Nvidia? I'm like Nvidia. I don't know. By the way, you know who, had, who had the trade of the year? You watch you watch the Stone Conference. Druckenmiller Miller gets on there. He goes, "I'm not recommending anything. I'm not sharing yeah, any of my trades. The one Nvidia. thing I'm telling you that I am buying and loading up on is Nvidia." Yeah. Beginning of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the thought experiment: What if Druckenmiller Miller like creates a Twitter and then friends tech? Like, yeah. Bro, it makes a friend set. That, that would make me actually register on the platform if I could get access to that. I can't get sharing yeah. these insights. 
I will say though, Santi, let me finish that last thought, which is the yeah, stock market okay. used to represent two things. It represented um, access to cash flows, right? Companies would give back big dividends. It used to be like 40, 30% and then you know, got lower. And it used to represent ownership and, or excuse me, uh, voting rights, right? But if you look at a lot of the, like the biggest companies in the S&P today, like when you buy a share of Meta, you don't get either of those things, right? Zuck controls with 10 to one, the voting rights, and they have no dividends. So the stock market has essentially become just this kind of speculative game. And that's totally fine, I think, but it doesn't represent what it used to represent, which is like this tangible thing that you were talking about when you go to a you know, basketball game and you get the net or something. Like, I think a lot of the markets are, are no longer tangible things. They're speculative things oh, wait, that represent no. like where consumer attention is going. Yeah, well, let me be clear. I, I think agree. you get some very tangible benefit, it sounds like, to get access to you know, a direct line of communication to someone that otherwise wouldn't be responding to you or you wouldn't have access to. That feels very tangible to me. Now, I'm not saying that whether and how much value that has. Well, that's for the market to decide, obviously. Mm -hmm. And that may not be, to your point, the only reason why, like, it's hard to understand why these, these things are worth anything or stocks for that matter. Like, is it because... Of cash flow, or because of momentum, or because of a wide variety of reasons. Well, it's it's really hard to parse out the different components, but you know, because it sounds like there's a lot of people that their share price, their their individual price is worth a lot, but they don't, they're not very active in their chat, and others are really active in their chat, but their shares might not be worth as much. So it's kind of hard, right, to to make um, some sort of like one size fits all for why things are worth uh, or shares are worth in friend tech, but. Interesting, nonetheless. So let me ask you a question. Uh, as we kind of, sounds like we're nearing here the end of the episode, but I'm curious, uh, who do you think is going to be the major one? Does a major celebrity like get onboarded in the next week or two? And if so, who who is that? I think we're going to have a rapper on, honestly. I feel like I feel like they're. That's not a major so. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, who I have no idea. I don't know. But I think I think a rapper being all be pretty cool. Um, anybody in music, I think that like they have that that strong fan base that they see and know people will pay extra because they already sell concert tickets. They like sell signing sites stuff like that. Um, so I think that makes sense as an industry that would pay for something like this, access to something like this. Um, and you kind of already seen some um like disclosure wow um so i think you've kind of already seen some examples but yeah i think it's got to be someone independent independent yeah Yeah, it's got to be someone independent the record labels Mm -hmm. might have have a different view and perspective on this right yeah they might want to cut of those those fees (laughs) it's someone weird though it's someone weird It's, it's always someone weird like remember when brady turned on laser eyes Back in 2021, was yeah, like, I was like, "What?" I was like, "What is going on?" Well, yeah, well, Sam, you know what? Like, you know what? You know, I tweeted at him, said you should turn on laser eyes and Photoshop the lasers, and he turned and he took my pick and turned it on. What? That's crazy. <laughs> that's deep. That's deep lore, bro. Yeah, that's deep yeah. Lore. <laughs> they quietly took him off. I'll, I'll go. I'll go buy your shares just because. Yeah. Okay. Could have been yeah. A friend hack and then did that. You know. Yeah. 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 Um. If you're the founders, one of the founders, sounds like there's five. Um, what would be the first product feature upgrade that you would do? Definitely photos and videos, 100%. Like allow people to um, you know, record videos where they're talking, 
answering questions, allow people to uh, send photos, they can like send charts and stuff like that. Um, I don't know about files, maybe files for like music um, artists, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think like media is, is pretty big. And then after that, I would say right now the chat is fully one-sided. So people send messages and only the owner of the chat can see all of them. But if you're in the chat, you can only see the owner's messages. And the owner has to like manually quote tweet all everybody's replies if they want to include them in the rest of the conversation. Mm. So I think there should be a way to toggle the messages that you want other people to see or like some easy way to make the owner quote tweet them um, hmm. instead of having to manually copy paste. So I would say those are the two main things I would focus on adding first. Yeah, I feel those feels like pretty key upgrades. Yeah. Um, on the question of NFTs in general, how do you think friend tech changes the game for monetization of fan base and attention going down this route versus issuing your own NFT collection? Do you see them as like a derivative of or mutually exclusive? Are you more bullish on one versus the other? I see them as complimentary. Um, I think that there are going to be creators that launch NFT collections associated with their chat rooms. Um, mm-hmm. And the time um, time aspect of them, I think will be really cool. Like say you have somebody who's holding your share for a month or two months or three months, you have an NFT evolve with how long they've been holding your share. I think that would that be really feels dope key. to see. Yeah. Like long-term um, to your point, Jason, hey, you not only discovered me, but you've held the bag through and through right. for the last 10 years. Not you just like, sniped it and dumped it exactly um but i do think that some nft projects that are purely just profile pictures and haven't really delivered that much value back to their communities i think those may fall away because there's a lot more right now there's more strong teams not just friend tech but also stronger teams that are iterating um heavier on like the membership royalties that side of things and how really to build stronger communities instead of just having the pure jpeg so i do think those kind of continue to not do as well. Fair. Cool. Santi, man, you joining? Yeah, join. Um, join right now, man, so I can buy your shares. <laughs> I, was, uh, <laughs> I was, before this episode, I, I was thinking of doing it, um, but I will resist the urge for now, partially because there's a whole host of things you need to like doing it on mobile is difficult like i feel like i know you can do it on your browser like desktop uh browser like if you enable mobile stuff so anyways um am i more inclined to do it after this discussion no <laughs> but it's been interesting discussion it's too distracting man i just i'll stay in my lane this time around guys uh, and i'll be able to be proven wrong and lose out on a bunch of money quote unquote but uh, <laughs> uh like no i'm not no Anson, i'm looking at the fees right now you made 30 eth from this thing already <laughs> yeah, I'm already at like yeah, 30. 30. And Kobe's at like 50 or something crazy. Yeah, that's Kobe's what I'm saying. at 80. Like, 
Yeah, but like that's what I'm saying. The incentives, I'm not anybody outside of crypto. The incentives are people who are actually celebrities, like big artists. If they see that, then they're going to like obviously want to at least check it out. That's what I, my whole thought process. Hmm. So, what are you going to do with that? Run a validator? I don't know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, wait, <laughs> yeah, run an ETH validator. I don't think run so. Run an ETH validator. You got two more ETH. What the go? <laughs> Oh, all right guys well this, this has been great uh, at least Thanks, uh man. this this yeah. jason that was a perfect layup for you to say with that part of that money you can go to permissionless in a couple of weeks <laughs> after oh, a yes. big it's- show <laughs> the last couple of weeks Ansem, you coming to permissionless man i've been thinking about it it's in um austin right it's in texas right it's in austin oh, man you just made 30 yeah. like what's up stop the crap yeah, Super I'm gonna try to not even sell you a ticket. I'm trying to sell you a sponsorship over here. You're using that. You got that sponsorship <laughs> money now. <laughs> yeah, I'll give, I'll give it away to my shareholders, bro. <laughs> oh, really nice, nice. All right, man, gentlemen. Well, well keep done. having fun. Uh, wait, what's your latest? Uh, for so we timestamp this. How many shares and what's your value today, Ansem, and yours, Yano? Oh, I don't have it up. Wait, what am I at? Ans- Ansem's at 150. Ho- He's pretending like he doesn't have it up. Oh, yeah. My phone's in the other room. <laughs> my phone's in the other screens room. right here. Yeah. No, he's at <laughs> 150 holders and 1.75. Let's go. I will say, Santi, <laughs> the app is so miserably slow. This is the screen I'm on for just <laughs> like. It's I, super slow. I, oh, there. See, I just oh, there pulled it up. There it goes. I'm at 41 holders, 0.15 ETH. Wow, so you're like nothing I'm getting compared to that. I've made one I've made one ETH though. Look at that. I've made I made one ETH from this thing. You're right. worth one thirtieth of what this <laughs> fine gentleman is. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Okay. You go no, and talk one one eleventh. One eleventh, my man. Hey, I'm about okay. to buy his shares, right? I'm climbing. One eleventh. <laughs> right? Well, there's two ways to look at that. One you're absolutely worthless. Or two, there's a lot of room to grow and you're up and up. <laughs> it's, not, it's a mispricing. It's a mispricing, bro. I'm infinitely more valuable than you are. So, <laughs> Well, with that, folks, I'm going to tune out and go talk to my therapist. So, uh, thanks, everyone, right. for listening. Good and, pod, uh, gents. And see you guys next time.